if Answers in Genesis did the study themselves, you'd see them publish the results. Just the shape alone shows that this is not uh, a building, like a barn or something out there. And this is what actually got picked up around the world, uh, that they had found pottery. The more they dig, the more they're going to find out that this is where the Ark ended up. Has Noah's Ark been found? Well, it's up for debate. Recently, Answers in Genesis produced a video in which Dr. Tim Chafee describes why he doesn't think the Darupinar site in eastern Turkey is actually Noah's Ark, but I've got someone on the show today who's going to rebut his information and uh, share an alternative view with you. So without any further ado, I'm going to introduce Mr. Andrew Jones to you right now. So, Andrew, welcome to the program. Excited that you're here with us. And uh, hey, man, it's been a while. I know you've been on the show several times, but dude, you've been in the news like uh, Noah's Ark's been getting a lot of press. <laughs> um, it seems hey. like you've had a lot of cool stuff happening there. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Hey, Pastor. It's great to be back again. Uh, yes, uh, it's amazing what a couple of interviews here in Turkey will generate around the world with these headlines. And it's great for the site and for the research into you know, Noah's Ark in general, getting this type of interest in the uh, popular press. And so, yeah, there's a couple of things I'd love to share with you today about, uh, you know, some of the the uh, cri critics who have attacked uh, the news stories and the, the site in general, the drop on our site. And so, yeah, I'd like to share with your audience, you know. Uh, so... Tell me a little bit more about some of these specific uh, articles, because I know there's been some news articles. Yes, uh, it was actually the New York Post. Uh, Newsweek in the past has done uh, pieces on this site. Uh, British press um, picked it up. Uh, we had, obviously, the Turkish press. Uh, we just had recently uh, a Russian news site pick it up. Uh, Indian, uh, the Jerusalem Post. Uh, so it's getting its worldwide exposure right now. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And so, Andrew, you uh, have actually set up a visitor center at what's called the Darupinar site in eastern Turkey. It's it's basically this site that was popularized by a man named Ron Wyatt back in the 70s and 80s. And um, it's uh, an interesting, uh, non-natural-looking formation that just happens to be the same dimensions as Noah's Ark. So do you want to just tell us uh, briefly about that and then also maybe about some of what you're doing uh, there because um, it, it kind of looks like you're on the Ark. I know you've, you've been instrumental in setting up a visitor center at the site as well. Uh, yes. So I'm here at actually Dobayzet, which is a town about 30 minutes from this boat formation that was discovered in 1959 by Captain Durupinar. And then later in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, uh, Ron Wyatt and other researchers investigated the site. And Ron was very instrumental in getting it popularized as the buried remains of Noah's Ark. Uh, and then since uh, that time, uh, 2014 and then 2019 and then uh, a couple years ago, 2021, there have been new investigations using um, ground-penetrating radar and electronic uh, equipment that are non-destructive to investigate into the site without, you know, destroying the boat formation. And so we've uh, participated in different uh, forms, whether just videoing the work or actually setting up and getting it done, uh, these uh, surveys that have been done. And so that has gotten the Turks interested. And now we have three universities interested in the work. 
And so right above the site, we have a visitor center for those who are out in this area of the world. They can come see it. Now, the Turkish government built the building back in 1988, and Ron Wyatt was there when they dedicated the area as a national park for this formation. Um, but it was empty most of the time. And so recently we renovated it and put in uh, television uh, for videos explaining to the tourists about what they're looking at, uh, you know, posters and displays. And they can have a hot, a hot uh, cup of chai or coffee there looking at the uh, arc site. <laughs> you also do tours, right? If someone is interested, I'll put a link in the description where uh, they can come see Noah's Ark. You also do tours of Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia and, and other things, but they can come see Noah's Ark and its new updated visitor center in all of its glory, correct? Yes, we do have tours in this region. In fact, we're actually revamping our tours for next year. Uh, and so if people want to see what we will have, check out our website, uh, noahsarkscans.com. There's a link to tours, and that directs them to the tour website. But uh, we're, we're planning to do this Patriarchs tour, which starts here in eastern Turkey and goes to southern Turkey, where you have the area of Haran, where Jacob's well is. You know, Jacob went there to find his, uh, a wife, and then even Isaac's uh, wife, Rebecca, came from Haran. And so you have this whole start of civilization here, and not just eastern Turkey, but southern Turkey, where some people believe even Abraham came from a uh, northern Mesopotamia proposed location for Ur. And so we're going to do this Patriarchs tour next year. It's a new tour we're offering. Uh, and of course, yes, we do do the, uh, the uh, Mount Sinai tours that you were on uh, and the Exodus tour across Egypt. I love it, man. I love it. The Patriarchs tour. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You think someone could find a wife in Haran when they go there? <laughs> well, you know, when we were in uh, the Well of Moses at Albada, it was funny because one time we went there. That's where uh, Moses found his wife. I guess you have to go to a well to find a <laughs> wife. But <laughs> we were there and had all these single guys uh, sitting around the well. Just, they're on break. But we, someone made the comment to them. Uh, I think they were like Pakistani uh, workers in the area. And they started laughing. Like, hey, you're here to find a wife too. <laughs> so They just need yeah, to chase I guess the bad know. guys away with a shepherd's stick. I think that was what uh, what hooked Moses' wife. Yeah. I think that's what did that, yeah, that was what did the chase trick. Chase off the Amalekites, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and show this video that Answers in Genesis uh, recently produced. And again, Dr. Tim Chafee, he, he actually has a doctoral degree. So, I mean, he's obviously an educated guy. And and uh, love what Answers in Genesis does. I mean, this is, you know, not throwing shade at anybody. Very appreciative. In fact, uh, I'd, I'd give a little plug for the for the Ark Encounter. It's a phenomenal uh, literal take on what was a literal Bible story in northern Kentucky there. So go see it. I actually took a church group there myself one time. Uh, fantastic experience, and uh, you'll get an education. But uh, this is an area where sometimes Christians, they, they just have difference of opinions on things. And um, you, you know, I, I even talked to a geologist one time, a uh, Christian geologist, young earth geologist who, you know, knows about the Darupanar site that, uh, where you've got the, the, um, uh, the visitor center there. And he says, oh, that, that's just a natural rock formation. That's all that is. And, uh, so that's kind of what you're going to see here. Um, this video is about three minutes long, then we'll come back and, uh, Andrew, you can kind of, uh, explain to us, uh, explain some of this to us, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, why uh, there's a little bit more to this rock structure than meets the eye. Noah's Ark has been found, or has it? A popular claim is that Noah's Ark has been found near Mount Ararat at a place called Durupinar or Duripinar. Do you know how to say it? This is a long 
arc-shaped sort of structure that many people have been led to believe is Noah's Ark. Well, let's take a look at what scripture says first, and then we're going to investigate this claim and some other reported sightings of Noah's Ark. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 8 that in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Notice it says mountains of Ararat is plural. It doesn't say necessarily that the ark landed on Mount Ararat, but in that region of Ararat on one of the mountains. But because of this, many people have been led to believe that the ark must have landed on Mount Ararat, and they've gone out searching for it. So this site, known as Durpinar or Durpinar, is frequently claimed to be the resting place of Noah's ark. And as I mentioned, it's this ark-shaped like structure that has similar dimensions to Noah's Ark, and it was popularized in the 1980s by Ron Wyatt and by others since then as the remains of Noah's Ark. But um, we've done some investigations. In fact, uh, geologists have gone there and done testing and, and drilled core samples checking to find wood or remains of, of Noah's Ark and have not found anything. And what this structure really is, is a a typical geologic formation that is found on a lot of different mountain slopes. When you get a mud flow coming down the mountain, if it hits an obstruction, that mud flows around that obstruction and creates this elongated diamond type shape, just like we see at Durpinar. In fact, you can use any sort of mapping software, look at Google Earth or Google Maps, and then you can type in Noah's Ark, Turkey, it'll take you right to the site. And if you zoom out, you will see other places that look just like this all around that area. So this site, even though many people want it to be Noah's Ark, even though we would love to have Noah's Ark be found in our day, there's really no hard evidence that this is Noah's Ark. Okay, so that gives you a good explanation of the Darupanar site. Now I'm going to turn things over to you, Andrew, and... You can fill us in on maybe some things that people don't know and uh, expose them to a different point of view. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I remember you sent me this link, and I was thinking, uh-oh, not another video <laughs> attacking the site. <laughs> because um, I saw some, you know, obviously in the past, people have written articles or made YouTube videos saying this is not the ark. Now, in this video, he brought up something new that uh, most of the other videos did not mention, and he said that core drilling and geological studies were done, and he said no wood was found, so thus it's not Noah's Ark. Uh, now, the only core drilling ever done on the site, and I have a slide here showing the boat formation outlined, um, and this core drill attempt um, or um, survey, this core drill survey was done in 1988 by Dr. John Bob Gardner from the United States, uh, who used to think it was Noah's Ark and then changed his mind. Uh, and then it was also uh, co-led by Dr. Sali Barak Tutan, who's a Turkish geologist. He's retired now, but he's probably the, the world's expert on this site right now because he's studied this the most since the 1980s until now as a geologist, uh, professor of geology here in Turkey. And, uh, and now I emailed Dr. Baumgartner, and I asked him about his core drilling because nothing was ever published. And um, he, there was a quote in one of his old newsletters. Uh, but other than that, there was nothing, no information about what was the results or what they hit or did not hit in their drill attempt. And he said they, they I think it was like a three-inch hole. So it, it was drilled down. It was four drills. Uh, four holes were drilled on the boat formation. Uh, now, if you think of how big this site is, uh, 515 feet long, and we're looking at four holes, one of which was dr was drilled in the middle of rock. So 
So you can't even count that because he said they just basically stopped drilling because it was just a big rock they're drilling through. So we have three other holes uh, of the data to look at. And now he claims that they hit bedrock on two of these other drills. Uh, and then the other one, uh, number one on this diagram, he said they just drilled, they hit nothing, just kept on going through dirt and nothing was pulled up. So I, once I got that information, I uh, talked to Dr. Salih Braktutan, who was there. He's the one who, the Turkish side, you know, had got the permits for this. And I asked him, did you guys hit bedrock here? And did you um, do this, like, exactly how Baumgartner described it? Did you do this uh, core drilling? And he said, yes, they did do core drilling. But he said they had a very bad uh, machine that was locally made in, here in Turkey. And he said the biggest problem with the machine was that it was using water pressure uh, to cool down the drill bits. And so he said they got zero cores out of it because the water would shoot down. And so when they pulled up material, the water washed everything out of the core. And, you know, water washing the dirt. So he said at the very bottom, when they pulled it up, it was just uh, little pieces of rocks. And so he said for a geological study, he's like, it was useless. The data had zero information for them to use to show whether there was petrified wood or decayed wood or anything. Uh, so I found, that, I found that very interesting because, again, most people don't know that, that the water pressure in this water cooling core unit, and they should have used a different type of unit, uh, ruined all the uh, cores. And so there was zero wow. useful information. And he claimed that, and I asked him, did you guys hit bedrock within six feet or um, uh, maybe three meters or so? I think Baumgartner said, and he said, no, again, he said there were pieces of rocks, but it was just like at the bottom of the core because all the dirt was washed away. Um, so I don't think you could use that against the site. Core drilling should be done uh, with the correct equipment. Uh, if they don't want to do, you know, a, a traditional excavation would be a, a like a square, like five meter by five meter pit. Now, if you did that, you would ruin this, you know, the boat formation by digging a big hole there. You know, that's, you know, archaeology would, that's how you do it normally. So uh, the idea of doing a core survey where you can do these three-inch holes all around the site, it's, it's a good idea. And now the Turks we approached the scientists about this here in Turkey, and they are interested in that. They uh, want to start their studies uh, with doing other things first. So that's why you will see in the news them talking about uh, samples from the what's around the top of the site. And so... Um, this is what Baumgartner wrote uh, the year that they did the the uh, the core drilling attempt back in '88, and he basically says, "Well, you know, core drilling is severely limited in its usefulness for archaeology, because again, like for example, you can have this three-inch hole you're drilling, and it could be one inch from something that's man-made, like a wall or something. So if you're looking at a, uh, as he mentions here." something that's uh, sparsely distributed. So think of a boat that's been decaying for thousands of years. Maybe you'll have a, a couple beams left. Everything else is just the uh, form of it. Uh, so if you start drilling a hole, you could miss everything by an inch. Uh, but it, it is useful, except, again, that they use the wrong equipment. Um, so in his even his published newsletter, he was basically downplaying their own core drilling attempt. Um, now, again, here's a, I mentioned Dr. Salih Barak Tutan. He has been at the site all these years studying it and the whole region. And he's explained to me a lot of information about the past attempts and just the geology of the area. Um, and here is the overlay showing on a drone photo I took 
of the that 1988 core attempt uh, survey where they did the four holes, and that middle one was basically in the middle of that rock, and so you can't really count that as having any useful information. And again, if you look at the other three holes they drilled, according to Sally, who was the other uh, scientist involved in that survey, uh, no useful information was gotten from it. Uh, so I would differ with uh, Answers and Genesis on mentioning core drilling. Uh, again, there's no other team that ever has ever done anything except uh, for core drilling, except for Baumgartner and Bayrak Tutan. So that's interesting you mentioned that about the core drilling, Andrew, because it, he did mention that they had done tests and uh, he wasn't really clear, but I'm assuming all, Answers in Genesis didn't run any core tests there. The only people that have done this would have been, uh, like you said, Dr. John Baumgartner, I think was, was the man that you said. And then, uh, I mean, this is like, the Turkish government recognizes this site as Noah's Ark. I mean, whether it is or not, obviously we don't know for 100% certainty, but it would be hard to get tests done there, right? I mean, it's it's not something that's easy to, to do, right? Yeah, so these core drilling machines are uh, are big units. You uh, you know, you can't just show up secretly and do a test without the tricks knowing about it. Um, these are not little devices that you carry in your tool belt. Uh, you know, they have, uh, if you look at photos on Google, um, core, coring machines for geology or archaeology, uh, you can see how big the units are. And so... There's no way that no one else has done a study. Uh, if if Answers and Genesis did the study themselves, you'd see them publish the results because they're, they're, they're mentioning this core drilling. And there's no published results by any other group except for Dr. John Baumgartner and Sally Brock Tuton, who did their survey back in 88. And again, they didn't really publish anything. It was just briefly mentioned in Baumgartner's newsletters. And then he's quoted a lot by everybody else saying, oh, we didn't find anything. So there was no like scientific study published. Uh, and I had to like email Baumgartner and then talk in person to Dr. Salibrak Tutan to see exactly what was going on and what happened with that survey. That's interesting. And I know this is a little bit of a, of a hiatus, but you actually met Ron Wyatt before too. And I think that's just worth noting. I wanted to tell the, the, uh, the audience that you used to call him all the time. I know on the, on the phone. Um, and I say that because he's mentioned specifically in the answers in Genesis video. So, uh, there's obviously a little bit of a connection there for you as well. Um, and that was maybe in part how you got interested in this topic and kind of how you ended up, uh, doing some of the things that you're doing. That is true. Yes. I was just a kid in middle school and I heard about uh, this site being Noah's Ark. Um, Ron White came out to Sacramento, California. And my father went to the presentation. It was a one-night presentation where he talked about Mount Sinai in Arabia, and the, you know, the Red Sea crossing, the Noah's Ark. And so when I heard about this guy claiming he had found these sites, I wanted to, you know, as a kid, I just wanted to investigate it myself. And so I bought his book. And yes, I, I called the guy up back then. Uh, you know, this is before the internet, so you didn't like just email somebody. You had to call four one one the operator. <laughs> I said, "Hey, I would like to, uh, try to get a phone number for a Ronald Wyatt. Uh, I think it was Madison, Tennessee." And sure enough, they had his number and they connected me, and he answered. And so, so that was like nineteen ninety one or so. And so from middle school up until when Ron passed away, I used to call him a lot and ask him lots of questions. And I even talked to. Uh, others, you know, as you mentioned, uh, other people who were involved in the research, including David Fazold, who uh, 
who uh, lived in California at the time and in, in, uh, Southern California. And he uh, did a lot of the, uh, the research with Ron from the middle eight, uh, 80s until, uh, you know, until the 90s. And then he passed away, too, I think, in 1998. Um, but, uh, you know, just... As a as a kid, and then into uh, my first years of uh, you know college, and then later on uh, visiting the site. My first time was 1997. I came out here to check it out. Uh, it's you know it just had this interest in the site, and it wasn't to prove uh, like that Ron White was correct. It was just more hey, if this is really Noah's Ark, this is exciting. Maybe this is something I can share with people, and this my own faith. Um, and so I just became really interested and involved um in this and so that you know that's how i personally got involved was hearing it through ron and then coming out here in 1997. Oh, that's awesome awesome andrew i love it man and uh cool to have some of those stories too because everybody i think has something that gets them involved or interested in something so neat to see how that happened for you uh so getting back to this boat-shaped object uh, that's one of the things that's said about it i mean you don't have to really be a rocket scientist to look at this and say man it kind of a shape like a boat, but that's what some people have said. You've got others saying this is just a natural formation. So can you just kind of uh, dig a little deeper on that, no pun intended, and explain um, a little bit more, maybe about why this is more than just a natural geologic formation? Uh, yes, for sure. Um, so I, I know the, the video, they mentioned how they believe the, sh the uh, ship shape got its form. Uh, and the most uh, popular theory right now by critics is that it was a rock uh, uh, being obstructed uh, in a mud flow. So this large boulder, in fact, they're saying that this one in the middle is probably the rock they're saying, is sitting there in a mud flow. And then based on fluid dynamics, as the mud or liquid builds around this obstruction, it forms this um, ship shape. And sometimes they call it almond shape, but they don't want to use the word ship because then they, people think it's Noah's Ark. Um, but at any rate, this shape is then formed. That's what they're claiming. And then they're saying, well, because it's formed naturally by fluid dynamics and you know mud building up, we should be able to find this all over the place. And so then they, uh, people will show uh, photos of other sites nearby or maybe someplace else in the world. They say, look, this is just like this boat uh, shape. Uh, these sites were formed naturally in a stream or in a river or on the side of a mountain. Uh, and so thus, this was naturally formed too. Uh, and so in the video, uh, he mentions that the rock obstructed uh, the mud and the mud just starts building up. And this is uh, the first, um, the top diagram shows that. This is uh, you know, fluid dynamics. You have a liquid, in this case, not water, but mud flowing downhill. And there's something there that's stopping the, uh, the, the mud and it starts building up and then it based on gravity it flows around it and it forms a pointed end on the very bottom a uh, downhill um but if you look at the actual formation this is uh it's funny because sometimes people who've never been there will say something but since they've never seen the site they don't realize that this site is the complete opposite and so you have the pointed in uphill and the rounded in where they say this obstruction that started yeah. is actually downhill and so you can't use a rock obstruction as the uh, reason how this uh, shape got there, uh, unless mud flowed uphill. <laughs> so unless we <laughs> define the laws of gravity, uh, then there's no way that the mud actually formed this uh, site. Um, now, here's a, a larger view of the actual drone uh, photo of the, the site with a drone. And you can see the pointed end is uphill and this curved uh, bulb 
shape end is downhill, and then the arrow shows the direction of the mud flow. Uh, they say it's actually an earth flow. Uh, this is an area of the side of this mountain that collapsed, um, and so the the terrain changed. Um, and so after a couple earthquakes, and this shape became more pronounced, uh, uh, basically popped out the arc, so to speak. Uh, but again. Uh, based on what they're saying, this should be the complete opposite. It should be the and that's, and so that's, that's they, worth noting, you know, because that's worth noting because they they pulled up several images on Google Earth and showed other formations that look similar, but basically, it's backwards. It, if it if it's if it was created by mud flow, you should have the pointed end on the other side. If you're actually looking at the shape of what Noah's Ark is. Now, the Bible's very brief. You know, Genesis chapter 6, God gives Noah and what Moses wrote down, uh, very uh, 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 brief information about what the ark. He said it should have three decks, one door, one window, um, and that it should be this uh, dimension of, you know, five, uh, 300 cubits long, and then there's 50 cubits, I think, wide and 30 high. And so that's it. It doesn't say anything about the shape of that. And actually, if you go to Answers of Genesis Ark Encounter, uh, last time I was there it was uh, 2018, and they had uh, a display on the wall inside the uh, replica Ark uh, talking about the shape of the boat. And they said just based on the dimensions given by uh, given to Noah by God, you can't determine the shape because people like to say, well, you know, based on those dimensions, it's a barge, you know, this rectangular shaped boat and it, and it would not be ship shape because the ark was going nowhere but this kind of free floating on the floodwaters um so that's a popular attack against this being Noah's ark so well it's a ship you can't it, Noah's ark would not be a ship shape but as answers genesis in their ark encounter uh they do actually a really good job in one of their videos in which they uh, defend their re replica of noah's ark uh even their own uh replica of noah's ark is a ship shape and, and they have a video that they put out on their YouTube channel. Uh, I believe it's the uh, Canadian ministry um, uh, did it. And it shows why they believe that Noah's Ark would be ship shape and how a barge out in the middle of the ocean with waves hitting it would uh, tumble and, 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 uh, and probably sink. Uh, so uh, we believe that this the shape alone shows that this is not uh, just a, a building like a barn or something out there or just naturally formed. Uh, the other point, as you mentioned, too, is that it is the dimensions of Noah's Ark. Uh, the length is exactly 300 cubits long. I mean, right there, one would think that, hey, if I have a, a ship shape that's 300 cubits long in the mountains of Ararat, like Genesis 8 says, uh, that should get you interested in it. Uh, instead, you have like this uh, polarization of those saying, oh, maybe it's Noah's Ark or, or it is Noah's Ark. And they have those saying, oh, no, no, it's 100% it's uh, natural formation. I wish more people would be interested in it because then maybe we could actually get the resources and the, the push to investigate it more versus just having it sit there all these years. Uh, but thankfully, the Turks now would like to do that. And But anyways... Uh, so in regards to the, the shape, I, I, I think this is the best shape. In fact, I think the answers in Genesis video about the shape of Noah's Ark brings out the point that uh, with the waves coming on and hitting the boat, uh, the reason why the ships have a prow, you know, have a pointed end, it helps break the waves. It has nothing to do with the boat trying to go somewhere. You know, Noah was not steering the boat somewhere, but with oncoming waves, uh, it helps break those waves. Uh, so there's other reasons to have a pointed in and have a ship shape, not just to say you're going to sail somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, I think 
in regards to the shape and the dimensions, we're right on for this being uh, the buried remains of Noah's Ark. Um, yeah, you make some good points there. And one of the things that people will say is that because of the flood and all of that stuff and just so much time has passed that it would have deteriorated. But you think that it still would have maintained its shape somewhat over, you know, four and a half thousand years. Yeah, and I know in the video, um, I think they had another video where they had a panel discussion. That point is brought up where the moderator in the panel says uh, that uh, we shouldn't expect to find Noah's Ark today because it was w a wooden vessel. And, and he mentions barns decaying after uh, you know 10 or 20 years. But if you look at the historical record, something different happened with Noah's Ark. Uh, uh, if you see uh, some quotes here, you probably can't read them, but if you look up uh, Josephus or Barosis, uh, these guys were ancient historians. Now, Josephus lived right after the time of Christ, and he quotes this Babylonian historian, um, and they all say that the Ark was, uh, the remains of the Ark was visible during their day, and that pilgrims and, you know, ancient tourists like today uh, would go visit the site and get little specimens of souvenirs, uh, lucky charms, basically, they say. Uh, so what it shows is that up till 2,000 years ago, you know, time of Christ, you still had parts of the ship visible for tourists to go see. So that disproves that the ship just kind of went away. Or the other claim is that Noah used all the wood up because, you know, there's no trees after the flood, and so he needed something to build a house. And so he, uh, you know, used up all the wood. But again, you have these ancient historians disproving that. So maybe Noah used the first deck or he used the roof only. You know, it was a big <laughs> ship. We don't know exactly what he did. You know, the people in this area right now, for example, they, they make stone houses. And then they put on just a couple beams of wood for the ceiling. And then they put this mud layer with tarp um, and grass. And, and then it's a flat roof. Um, but they, the wood is barely used in the construction of homes currently right now in this Kurdish area. Uh, so who knows what Noah would have done after the flood, but to say that, well, you know, everything was used up by Noah or the wood went away, well, we have historical references that deny that. So I really do think that up to today, we will have evidences, whether it's just the form of the boat or a chemical analysis showing th that it was decayed wood there, or hopefully, you know, something like petrified wood that would have preserved it better, uh, still down there. So I think, yes. Uh, the ship shape you see above ground is what we're is being influenced by what's below ground. That so makes sense. I do sense. think that what's below the ground is the buried remains that's decayed of Noah's Ark. In fact, um, uh, let me just go to one slide here. Here's an example of a Roman boat, and then you can even look at Viking burial ships. The Sutenhu in, in the UK and Norway they find these uh, Viking burial ships on ground, but buried in the dirt. And you find the ship shape. That's what's left after you know okay, five hundred wow. years or two thousand years. And here's the Durupanar site. Uh, and so, yes, what's below the ground can influence the ground. It doesn't mean you're going to find a perfectly preserved boat below the surface, but uh, the ship shape could still be there based on what was buried below. Yeah, you bring up some great points there, Andrew. One of the other things people will criticize about this view is that uh, this is a, a natural volcano. And so uh, they'll say, in fact, some people who are flood geologists will say the mountains weren't even around right after the flood or whatever. They were pushed up during the flood. And, and so I, I guess how would some of that flood geology um, 
somebody who might have a, a, a you know a disagreement about this being Noah's Ark because of flood geology, how would you respond to that? Okay, yes, yeah, so that is a, a criticism that uh, I think they even brought it up in their panel discussion uh, in the Answers to Genesis video, where they just, they say this is in a valley, not on top of a mountain. Um, they also say it's in a lava flow. One of the, the, the people on that panel, she mentions that, uh, you know, she kind of makes a joke that, you know, how can God save the ark through the floodwaters and then have, the, have it land on a volcano? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> then, then no one would have to get out and walk on the lava or something. Uh, but again, so just back, this is back up. Number one, um, the idea that this is not uh, on top of a mountain, that is true. It's on the middle of a mountain. But if you look at the origin of the earth flow or the mud flow that it's sitting in, you follow it up the side of the mountain, then you're at the top of the mountain. So there is a theory, and I, I, I think it's valid, that the boat landed higher up and then came down over the thousands of years to its current location. Um, and then the second point they make uh, about uh, this being a lava flow. Well, actually, there are uh, lava rocks uh, in there, but there's also limestone in um, other type of, of um, uh, flood uh, created, you know, rocks that have fossils in them. And so this is not 100% a volcano. This side of the mountain is not a volcanic mountain. Now, where, what are the source of these uh, lava rocks, the, the basalt that you're finding? Now, there are uh, volcanoes further away. Uh, the Tinderic uh, volcano um, is just to the west of here, and you have Mount Ararat, which is across the valley um, to the north of the site. Uh, so whether any of those eruptions blasted out rocks that landed over here, you know, the site does need to be studied more, but it's not in a lava flow. Um, now, I know uh, others have claimed that it was a lava flow, and then over time it decayed and became a mud flow. Um, again, uh, the site, I think, needs to be studied by experts more. But the current uh, understanding of the site is that this is an earth flow that, based on earthquakes and seismic activity, it collapsed. And then all this stuff kind of flowed down the side of the mountain there. Um, now, one other point I'd like to make about uh, the mountains. Uh, you have people who want to look for it on volcanoes, but not uh, to, you know, tell you how the ark landed and survived a volcano. So it is a valid criticism because... If you look at Mount Ararat, Mount Ararat is uh, a stratovolcano, meaning every eruption builds the mountain. Yet you have many Christians, uh, many ark researchers looking for the ark up there without explaining how the ark would have survived and be on the very top where they claim they've seen you know, rooms with wood in it uh, and things like that. Because th this is a very uh, violent process in nature. Look at Mount St. Helens. It blew out the whole side of that mountain in Washington. Uh, back in the 1980s, same thing happened at Mount Ararat. And then in 1841, they had a, a, a northern eruption on that north side. They created a huge uh, valley called the Ahura Gorge and killed over a thousand people, according to the historical documents of the time. And so, again, uh, you need to look at what, uh, how the mountains were created, where the ark would have landed. We know there were mountains right after the flood because Genesis 8 says the ark landed in the mountains of Ararat. Uh, but obviously, after that, there were new mountains formed. Now, I think there's a good documentary coming out about how the mountains, you know, from a creationist standpoint, how mountains were formed during and after the flood. I think uh, the, uh, the original film called Is Genesis History, I think their sequel is all about the formation of mountains. 
And so I'm really interested in watching that. I, they, one of the people involved sent me a preview copy, and it looks like it's going to be a very good uh, uh, video to share with people and to help us, you know, get educated on this topic. But in regards to the Drupinar site, again, it's it's on a side of a mountain, probably landed higher up um, near the top of it, and it is an earth flow, not a lava flow. Yeah, those are some very great points, Andrew. And I, I think if I understand you correctly, um, what you're saying is that this site in Darupinar, uh, you, you can't use some of those typical arguments against it, like the volcanism, because that's more on Ararat proper. Um, the mud flow thing is actually in the opposite direction. I mean, just some of those initial criticisms. This is a more unique site than some of these other uh, supposed arc discoveries. That is correct. I think it's more complex. Yes, nature has affected the site because uh, it's been sitting there for you know four and a half thousand years or so. Um, and at the same time, though, there was something man-made, I believe, buried down there that's influenced what we're seeing today, this ship shape above ground. So uh, to change the subject a little bit, you recently gave a presentation at a Noah's Ark symposium there in Turkey. Yeah, so the Turks, they hold this uh, event, it's a conference, every two years. Um, and so for the last uh, the last one, I gave, I gave a talk, it was during the pandemic, so it was an online conference. And uh, then they asked uh, for this one, for my help to promote it with Western um, scientists who are interested in the research of this area, whether it's geology or even looking for Noah's Ark. And so I immediately started uh, ask, sending out emails. I even asked uh, some of our mutual friends like Logan and others to, who know other creation scientists to put the word out. And because of that, we were able to get uh, quite a group out here uh, of not just Turkish scientists, but European and also American scientists come out and give talks. It was a two-day conference. And the third day was a, a day where they went out to like Mount Ararat, base camp. And they also went out to the Drupinar site and had a, a lunch there. And so anyways, uh, I was asked to give uh, two talks. Um, well, I, I should say I submitted two papers that got approved. And so the first one was about comparing the GPR data from 1988 with Sally Brock, Teuton, and Baumgartner, what they found with their radar data to our um, uh, GPR ground penetrating radar that we did in 2019. And what it showed is that we got similar results, that there are interesting reflections in the data at these depths. And the 2019 data, if you remember, it showed that there are angular structures below the ground. So obviously that would suggest that it's more than a natural object, but maybe rooms or something man-made. And so I, that was my first talk. Um, and then I was able to give a talk about the search for ancient inscriptions on the Turkish-Iranian border, uh, which was kind of a cool experience for me because I was able to get permission to go into this no man's area where you're not allowed to go as a tourist and fly a drone with the permit uh, of the permission of the Turks. And they said they told the Iranians too. Um, and so I had the military commander watching me, making sure I didn't do anything I shouldn't be doing. And I flew the drone, my drone, into Iran to document these markers along the border uh, that was like uh, halfway in Iran and halfway in Turkey uh, that uh, supposedly might have inscriptions related to Noah's Ark. So I gave a talk about you know, the results of that survey. Um, and then at the uh, symposium, the biggest thing that came out of it was that the Turks announced that they had found pottery in the area around the boat site that dated to right when pottery started being created in this region of Turkey. 
So they say it was over like 5,000 years ago, uh, according to their estimation. Um, but because of them finding man-made objects and doing some geological surveys, that initial work produced this positive result. So now we have uh, these two Turkish universities wanting to continue the investigation of the drop on our site. So they think it's, it's interesting enough, you know, whether it's Noah's Ark or not, they think it's interesting enough to continue doing all this and, and putting their resources into it. And they announced that Andrews University, uh, no relation to me, <laughs> out of Michigan, will be uh, doing, um, uh, will be partners in their work and doing the research too. And so it's very exciting to see now three universities interested in this site. And we'll see what, uh, you know, what happens over the next couple of years. Yeah, that's fascinating, man. And I don't want to gloss over that point. I, you just said that the, the Turks have found stuff in this area, pottery and so on. And, and I think that was the article uh, that was in, uh, was the New York Times or something. They, they put an article about, about this specific thing, that there is evidence of civilization uh, in that area, not necessarily on the Ark, but in that area, there's ev evidence of early human civilization all around here, kind of a big deal. And I bring that up because I think it was referenced in the uh, panel discussion that Answers in Genesis had on the topic, correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, the panel discussion was referencing the Popular Mechanics article about it. Um, now, these Western press articles that came out, you know, it was around the world, they had articles about what the Turks announced. You know, they were basing their information either on interviews from with me or digging online, going to our website at nosearkscans.com or just um, talking to others involved. Uh, so some of the information is not correct. So the Popular Mechanics article, you know, they quote from Dr. Kaya, who's one of the um, officials from Ogbe University, one of the universities involved in this ARC research. But at the same time, they added their own opinion. Obviously, it's, you know, Popular Mechanics. So the reporter threw in his own um, opinion. And so it all got mixed into their article. And then Answers of Genesis did a response to it all. But to be fair, uh, some of the things that they were responding to was actually what the reporter said, his own opinion, and not what the Turkish scientists were saying. Um, so, but it was good to have this press come out. Uh, here's a, a, actually a, a screenshot from the uh, seven-minute video announcement. I videoed the announcement at the symposium where the rector of the Institute, um, the uh, Istanbul Turkish, um, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Let me repeat this. The Istanbul Technical University. Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, Istanbul Technical University, E2. The rector was there to officially give the uh, announcement of what they found from their first initial survey. And this was just the preliminary results. This is not like the detailed stuff they still have to do. But because of this, they wanted to announce it and then announce that they're continuing the research um, and that they had found pottery. Uh, this is all in Turkish, but you know, one of the slides mentioned the pottery. Uh, and here's some pictures from their expedition out there from a year ago. Uh, and then some of the uh, microscopic um, uh, scans they did of the rocks um, that, they, that they were you know, analyzing. Uh, so this was announced. But then right after that uh, was announced at the symposium, uh, Dr. Kaya did a press release with the Turkish press, and this is what actually got picked up around the world, was what he announced there that they're uh, partnering with Andrews University from America, uh, that they had found pottery and done this analysis of the rock samples on the site and around there. And so because of that, that's what spread around the world in these different news stories. Yeah, that is really cool. And I think reason to probably dig a little bit deeper on some of these things. And, and that was one of the what I wish uh, maybe we 
would have got a little bit more from the Answers in Genesis video. Definitely more at this site than uh, some would lead you to believe. And, and sometimes you just can't take what uh, some of these you know, popular news stories will tell you, or you might not even know what they leave out about it because there is an interesting history at Darupanar. Yeah, it's a very unique site. And while I might think it's the buried remains of Noah's Ark, obviously it's not a salvational issue, but I think there's enough information there that I'm going to continue uh, to uh, promote it and get people interested, you know, scientists and anyone else who would like to come visit this site in this area of Turkey. I love it, man. Great place. And uh, I, I did actually have Don in studio with me today. Um, he's just kind of been the student, I guess, uh, watching and listening to the presentation. Don, uh, what are your thoughts, man? Well, from what I've known from watching uh, different videos about this and with a, a ground penetrating radar uh, and just the way it looks. And they even showed uh, back in other videos how it you can see like a path coming down the mountain like it slid down the mountain and that I truly believe that this is from the ark and I with them having like man-made structure underneath I really think that that's uh where the ark is I know they say there's other spots that kind of look like this and they look like mud flowed around the rock and that but I don't know the the more I hear about it the more I see about it uh I really truly believe that this is the place of the ark and I really think that uh, the more they dig, the more they're going to find out that this is where the ark ended up. Well, hey, there you go, Andrew. Dawn's convinced. Hey, that's great. <laughs> hey, <laughs> one person at a time will change the world. <laughs> one one soul at a time, man. You know, it's, it's just like the gospel. So, uh, yeah, but in all seriousness, I, I think it's very interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, when I watched the Interest in Genesis video, I thought it at least worth a discussion and, and want to make sure people get a, a fair, a fair give, the, give a fair shake to, uh, you know, to this archaeological site because it is interesting. It got my attention a couple of years ago and, uh, you know, maybe I'll get to see it in person one day. A uh, little segue to your, your tours. How can people connect with you and jump on one of those to see it in person? Yes, if they are interested in coming out here and see what all the fuss is about, uh, go to noahsarkscans.com, and there's a tour menu link that will actually redirect you to our East uh, Turkey Expeditions website, which is our tour website for different parts of Turkey. And uh, they can uh, it'll, it'll take them right to the five-day Noah's Ark tour. We also do a three-day one, and we also just show people the site. If you show up, you're, on, you're out here on your own. Uh, we'll just meet up with you and explain everything that's been done on the site. Uh, if we're here too. So, uh, come and see the area. It's a very beautiful area of Turkey. Again, very mountainous, uh, in the summertime, it's like California, all the grass turns Brown. Uh, if you, a beautiful time of the year is like June. If you come in May and June, you have green grass. Uh, if you come in the fall, it's Brown, but you can see the uh, ship shape more, uh, pronounced if you come in the fall so again just come any time of the year <laughs> right now there's actually snow on the ark we just got our first snowstorm oh this last wow night. love it man and uh love what you're doing appreciate all the hard work there and uh like andrew said just brand new visitor center there it's really cool i know i haven't been there but i've seen a lot of the videos i saw a lot of the videos of you working on it and and the hard work that you put in so Go check it out. Um, he do, he's got a package. You can do that. You can take a whole month and go see not just the Ark, but you can go see 
uh, the pyramids, Sinai and Arabia, and then finish in Israel, even uh, dig some sulfur balls out of the Sodom and Gomorrah site. So, so cool stuff. Check it out. Uh, God bless you, Andrew. Thank you so much, man. And we'll see you next time. I've already told you about my recent trip to the Middle East and the real Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia, but what you may not know is that you can experience these things for yourself, and it's all made possible through our friends and ministry partners at DiscoveredSinai.com, where Andrew Jones and his team will take you on an adventure of biblical proportions to places like Noah's Ark, the Pyramids of Egypt, the real Mount Sinai and Red Sea crossing site, the Split Rock of Horeb, Elijah's Cave, Sodom and Gomorrah, and Jerusalem. I can't emphasize enough just how incredible this opportunity is. It will be life-changing for you and your family. And here's the cool part. You can do the whole tour or just book the individual things you'd like to see. And the prices are amazingly reasonable for this all-inclusive spiritual experience. Book your tour today at DiscoveredSinai.com. Hey, there's one more thing I've got to share with you. I want you to know that you know Jesus and that you will one day be resurrected and spend an eternity with him. The Bible says that all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That all you need to do is confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So just say this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I need a savior. I believe that you died for my sins and that you were raised to life three days later. Make me born again in my heart through the power of your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Now go get yourself a Bible so that you can begin to develop godly habits in your life and make sure to join a Bible-believing local church where you can be baptized as an outward symbol of what God just did in your heart. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, send us a message and we'll get one to you. Welcome to the family, friend. Thank mm-hmm. you.